the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. We would invite you to join us for the next hour at 888-FORKFAX. That's 888-367-5329. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell. Well, good evening and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith. With the Cutting Edge Christian Apologetic Ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church. And we are live tonight, live for the next hour, with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Gary Bell, and once again, we're inviting you to call in with your questions, your comments, and your concerns. Our toll-free number is one 888 That's 1-888-888. Three six seven five three two nine. So don't be shy. Pick up that phone. Let us know what's on your mind. Again, that number is one eight 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 F O R K F A X. Well, tonight on Contending for the Faith, we are back in the studio. We've been out for the last couple of week, couple of weeks, but we're back tonight, and we're going to continue our series entitled "The Different Storms God Allows in Our Lives." Look around our world today, even within our churches, there are many different storms that God allows in our lives. God uses these storms to mature us, to break us, to remake us, and to conform us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. The big question is, are we truly listening to the lessons of these various storms that occur in our lives? Storms that God is using to get our attention and to get us to a place where he wants us to be. Not because he hates us, but rather the contrary, because he loves us. So tonight we bring you part four in our new series, The Different Storms God Allows in Our Lives. So stay tuned for we are not pretending we are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Are you glad to be back in the saddle, shall we say? Brother, I am glad and blessed to be back on that saddle, and we're going to ride this horse right into eternity for Jesus. Amen. All right. Thank you for so much, uh, Brother Gary, for that challenging introduction. Uh, We want to thank everybody out there in Radiant Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we know that you're going to be blessed by our program tonight. So please get you a pen, paper, and a Bible and get to a table so you can take some good notes because we don't uh, dish out bones. We give uh, spiritual sirloin steak in the Lord and uh, just prepare to be fed. And the Lord. And we know if people get fed, they will get out of bed and the Lord. So we are uh, here tonight talking about part uh, four in this series, uh, the different storms that God allows in our life. And there are many different types of storms. And we have talked about uh, in the past, uh, first, number one, there are storms that we create And the Lord has nothing to do with it. It's by bad decisions, impulse decisions, uh, being complacent, uh, listening to the wrong people, getting wrong advice, ungodly advice. And uh, we can create our own storms like Jonah did and uh, reap uh, the consequences of those bad decisions. And that could be with who we uh, associate with, uh, who we date, who we marry. There's so many severe consequences that's happening to people because they've made these. And if you're not 
on top of uh, paying your taxes and your bills. Uh, don't blame that on the Lord if they come after you. The authorities, that's on you, you know. So you got to do you and be on top of what uh, God has called you to do uh, as well. Now, uh, with this number two uh, storm that God allows in our life is corrective storms. We talked about Number one, storms that we create. Uh, but number two, I want to start dealing with corrective storms. And, you know, the Bible is from Genesis to Revelation talks about uh, God's correction. And God is always involved with correction. But let me just kind of build on this uh, before I get into these corrective storms. Because uh, in the correction, we learn direction. See, you cannot get direction unless you get into uh, God's correction first. Those sound alike, but it's so true. But let me give you an encouraging word uh, for those who uh, are in the midst of a storm. Mostly all of us are either a storm with sickness or almost close uh, diagnosis to sickness or, uh, you know, family members passing, uh, trouble at the job, uh, trouble in the community, trouble with supervisors, trouble with uh, addiction, and trouble with all sorts of issues in life, and trouble with just mental illness and a multitude of things, you know, and, and uh, trouble with the uh, the government and everything that we face. We are in storms, and I want to give this encouraging word tonight that um, the Bible talks about from. Genesis to Revelation, it talks about the rock, and uh, that rock is Jesus. And if your life is built upon him, uh, you'll be able to withstand any storm in your life. But this the problem that's wrong with so many people in uh, homes and churches, communities, they, their faith is just not built on that rock, that foundation, which is Christ. And uh let me just kind of give you an illustration of rocks today. And uh, have you ever noticed rocks in the sea? And when storms come, they beat up against the rocks, furious waves and dashes against the rocks. And, and it's just uh, amazing how rocks are stable. They're unmovable and they are unbreakable. They just stay right there because they are rooted in a foundation underneath the ground. And and I believe that that we, if we're rooted in, in Jesus Christ, uh, no matter what comes our way, no matter what's knocking at our door, we'll be like that uh, third little pig, you know, he built his house upon the rock. That was built upon a Christian story. And uh, the wolf came and he huffed and puffed himself out. And that's what happens with the devil. Uh, he'll huff and puff himself out, uh, coming at you in the midst of the storm, blowing at you and causing uh, rifts and, and storms and uh, hurricanes, tornadoes come at you. Uh, you know what? If you're like that third little pig, rooted in a rock, you'll be able to withstand any type of storm that's coming your way. Even if the doctors tell you that, you know, you have little time to live. If you are rooted in the Lord, you'll be able to say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. What a good word. And, you know, the thing that's so interesting about uh, rocks is that after, let me just meddle with that word after, after the storm has hit the rocks and the floods has come through, uh, what happens is that it just, uh, Mother Nature just washes and purifies the defilement uh, it has contracted during the storm, and that's just a calm. And my friend, this is a good word. You know, you don't see the rainbow in the storm. You see the rainbow that comes up after the storm. And there's always 
tunnel, no matter what you're going through. That's a good word for somebody listening uh, to uh, night to this message, you know, and uh, Jesus is our rock. He is the uh, liability uh, that we rely upon him. And Jesus kind of gave the story, remember, in uh, Luke 6, verse 49, but he that heareth and doeth not is like a man without a foundation, built a house upon the earth against which the, the stream came and vehemently, immediately it fell, and ruin was the house that that was great. And then he talks about before that how a person that builds their house upon, you know, Jesus, uh, they built upon him. And when the storm comes, because they're deeply rooted, I mean, this is so powerful. Uh, Jesus tells this in Luke 6 and verse 48, Jesus told, told the story. He, uh, when it comes to storm, he is like a man which built a house and dig deep. See, your faith got to be deep, deeply rooted and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and streamed vehemently upon that house and, co and could not strike it down because it was founded upon the rock. Oh, my friend, what are the what a word from God, what a word from Jesus that if your life, like a house, is rooted in him, your faith is rooted in him, there's nothing that can shake you and break you, and but all it's going to do is remake you. That's what's going to happen because God is the potter and we're the clay, and he just making us, molding us into the Imago Dei, into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's good news. But let me kind of get to this thing of, uh, uh, you know, uh, the correction in the storm. We, you need to understand the correction in the storm because correction leads to uh, direction. And I want to uh, call your attention to a passage of scripture that I think that you will be truly blessed by it. Uh, and uh, it, the Apostle Paul mentions this in Second uh, uh, Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. He says in Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long suffering and doctrine. Now look at those words, reprove, rebuke, and exhort, you know, because these are words <clears throat> that have to deal with <clears throat> correction. Paul was constantly correcting uh, Timothy and correcting the church and everything like that. And I want you to understand something very important from this verse of scripture. Uh, and it's so powerful when he mentions the word uh, here, uh, reprove, uh, that is convince, and then rebuke. There's a positive side and a negative side of preaching the word of God. Did you not know that? It's a positive, uh, a, neg a positive side and a negative. You say, why do we have to have the negative and the positive together? Same way that you got to have a negative and positive to start the, the battery. The battery, if you don't have cables to deal with the negative and the positive, you can't start the car. And God has designed that even with the preaching of the word of God. The Greek word for convince uh, refers to correcting behavior. Make a note of that. This is so powerful. The Greek word for convince refers to correcting behavior or false doctrine by using careful biblical arguments to help a person understand the errors of his and her action. Now, the Greek word for rebuke, I'm just kind of like messing with these words in Greek. The Greek word for rebuke deals more with the correcting of a person's motive by convincing him or her of their sin or sins and repentance. So, exhort, exhort, 
has to do with the positive side. So the first parts have to do with the negative. Now, when you get to the word exhort, it has to do with the positive side of preaching and dealing with doctrine and instruction. And you see this in 2 Timothy 3 and 16. So my friends, the Bible is filled up with the uh, gospel correcting us and directing us. And you got to be humble. You got to be willing to take biblical criticism that that helps you to grow. You know, you're doing some foolish things and making foolish decisions. Well, uh, especially the book of Proverbs talks about, you know, reproof and correction and because it's going to lead to direction in everything that you do in life. And so we need to understand all of this in the light of God's word. And we need to be built on the rock, which is Jesus Christ. If you haven't built your life on Jesus Christ tonight, I want to challenge you to pray this prayer with me. If you fail to build your life on Jesus and your life has been up and down like a yo-yo, like a carousel, up and down and round and round and going nowhere, and you just give in and your faith has not been rooted deep like Jesus said, this prayer is for you. Repeat it after me. Dear Lord, forgive me for not being rooted in Jesus Christ as my rock. I repent right now and ask you to root my faith deep into you so that when the storm comes, I'm able to stand against it with the full armor on. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto. All right, it's time for us to take that commercial break. Our phone lines are open and we want to hear from you. That number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's one 367 5329 So don't be shy. Pick up that phone. Give us a call. We want to hear from you tonight. If you have questions, if you have comments, if you just prayed that prayer with Dr. Buckner and you want to know what are the next steps, give us a call. We're here for you tonight. We always say prayer should be your first response, not your last resort. So give us a call again. That number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the bay. If you have questions about your faith in Christ, theology, doctrine, or the cults, call us now. 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's 888-367-5329. Well, welcome back to Contending for the Faith. With your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name's Gary Bell. Again, our phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. That number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's one 888 367-5329. So don't be shy. Pick up that phone if you have questions, if you have comments. If you need prayer, we're here to pray with you. Again, prayer should be your first response, not your last resort. So many times when storms hit, our first inclination is run around like a chicken with our heads cut off. And we need to stop and pray. Seek God's face. He's the one. Just like when the disciples were in the in the boat and Jesus was in the back of the boat sleep and they were fearing for their lives as a storm hit and they woke up Jesus master don't you care but he was right there in the boat all they had to do was trust him and so many times we don't trust God we just run around and try to do our own thing and try to fix it when all we need to do is cry out to the Lord and he can speak peace to any storm that we are involved in, any storm that hits out of left field, out of nowhere. And uh, he's able to speak peace to that storm. So, again, prayer should be our first response. And speaking of prayer, we want to thank all of you who have been praying for contending for the faith all these many years. We know it's your prayers that keep us going. It's your prayers 
that maintain this ministry. And we just thank you so much for those faithful prayers that are going forward. And we also want to thank all of you who have partnered with us financially, because this is a listener-supported <clears throat> ministry. And without that support, it's very difficult to do what we do. So we thank you for your generosity and your grace upon grace, the Lord, and your giving. There's two ways that you can donate. Number one, you can address a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Again, that's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. Now, the second way is so much easier. Simply go online to contendingfaith.org, that's contendingfaith.org, and click on the donate button. It's that simple, and you'll be a blessing for time and eternity. Well, it's about time for us to get back to the phone calls. Dr. Bucky, are you ready to do that? Let's do that, Brother Gary. All right, we have Jermaine waiting on line one. Jermaine, are you there? Oh, yes, I am. How are you right. doing, Brother Jermaine? Uh, so I'm doing pretty good. It's good to hear you guys tonight. Yeah, it's good to be uh, back uh, live on the program. We always enjoy that, and uh, we appreciate everybody's patience out there for us to get back. And so, and uh, we trust that you're doing well in your family. Oh, yes, sir. We're all doing very well. Are you able to get tonight at night these days, Brother Jermaine? I know you got Hello, a newborn. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what that thing you call sleep is, but uh, when I see it, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a new concept. <laughs> Maybe it'll catch on. I don't know. It's getting better. It's getting better. Hey, Amen. And what's on your heart tonight, my brother? Just a question. Well, I um, just wanted to. It'll probably be a two-parter, but I wanted to touch on. I think it's Romans thirteen, where um, I know some people have used that to talk about compliance with government and uh, law, but the issue I had was some of the people using that that uh, as a text seemed to be kind of manipulating it to do whatever they wanted it to do, because my issue is, and part, you know, there's a lot of different issues with our current government. I still pray for them, but I had a big problem with a lot of what we've seen over the last two years, and one of them was the mandates. Now, I'm okay with everyone making their own decision, but thing now more information comes out we find out that people like myself and other people who made a choice you know the opposite of what we were told you know we're fine and you need to comply yet these are the same people who are telling you to recognize six-foot men in dresses as women and uh telling you things that are you know just supporting perversion supporting everything anti-biblical so my question is, at what point is compliance a, a no-go for a, a believer? Because there's times where just morally, I feel like my, my spirit's almost screaming at me, like, hey, don't do this. And some things I just won't do when it's clear, biblically, I can't. But I still live here, and I want to operate within the confines of the law. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Thank you so much, Brother Jermaine. Appreciate that good question. Well, our government today is has become uh, communistic and, and socialistic. And it is dominated uh, by a lot of stuff that's going on in China. So China has influenced America and America and the current administration has succumbed to it. So therefore, uh, our uh, America is becoming more and more communistic because it's becoming more like China. Now, uh, your question, uh, is a critical question because um, Peter dealt with the same thing when they were pressed up against the religious leaders and the governmental leaders, and they were telling them to not uh, preach the gospel and do the things that was of the Lord. And Peter and them were bold and simply told them, we must obey God rather than man. And when the government uh, is trying to mandate uh, anything that is contrary to the Word of God, because the Word of God is what dictates our life. 
through the power of the Holy Spirit and not the government. But the government has put itself in the position of uh, trying to control everything. And the job of the government, according to Romans 13 that you mentioned, is to do one thing. Their job is, as it says in Romans 13 and verse 4, he says there's a, a minister to prevent, uh, revenge, wrath upon him that doeth evil. The job of the government is to be a police to protect us from evildoers. That is their sole job to do that. When they start to try to mandate and dictate uh, things other than that, that contradicts our conscience, contradicts the word of God, and contradicts our moral values. The thing that we have to do is like Peter said, we must obey God rather than man. Whether they like it or not, whether we have to go to jail because of it, uh, or lose a job because of it, no matter what, you know, our conscience by the Holy Spirit uh, must dictate and through the word of God, everything that we do today. And we must not do the three C's, compromise, confuse, and contradict. Compromise, confuse, and contradict that. And if we do, we're selling out to a communistic, socialistic uh, government, and we must be on our guard. God is calling upon us every day to be more biblical and more discerning. Because there are so many things coming at us, uh, to, and even at our children, uh, trying to get them to be something other than what God has designed them to be. And thank God for some of these parents that are uh, stepping up to the plate saying no uh, to the evil that's in the schools and the evil outside the schools. And in, even these evils are even start to infiltrate inside churches. Because churches, some churches are giving into that wokeism and into that uh, governmental, communistic, socialistic mentality, and that's what the government wants to do today. They want to control everything, control our thoughts and our action and stuff. And uh, what we are saying is, no, it's the Holy Spirit that controls us and the Word of God, and we want to obey. Uh, the government, uh, as long as it doesn't contradict uh, the things uh, of our moral and Christian values. So that's what we are uh, up to do. We have to pay our taxes. And Jesus, uh, even when they tried to corner him up, they tried to trip him up. Do we, should we obey God or Caesar? And Jesus said, render the things that are due to Caesar, the things due to Caesar. Render the things that are due to God, the things that are due to God. Jesus was in subjection to the government. Even Paul, uh, you know, he was subject to the government. And as long as it didn't contradict uh, what he's, he was all about. And Jesus, even on the cross, uh, when he was being crucified, but the, the two uh, thieves next to him, he never did state, well, these guys are being unjustly uh, condemned. No, because Jesus supported capital punishment. He says, if you live by the sword, you'll perish by it. So we support the government as long as it doesn't cross that line of our conscience, our godly conscience, the word of God, and uh, our moral values. And we need to have more people that's going to stand up like John and the early church, no matter what it costs and say, we must obey God rather than man. And that's that's the bottom line to it all. Uh, hopefully that kind of gives some additional insight and support to what uh, you are getting at. I just tried to uh, make it as plain and simple as possible, but yet bringing the Bible into it and Peter along with John and the rest of them in the early church. And we need to, they, they were our role models. And we need to follow them as our examples in Christ. So hopefully that helps you out, Brother Jermaine. Yeah, it helps me out uh, a lot. And, um, you know, I'll cover the second part of my question on another uh, show. But, yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. You got it. We always appreciate your call and your good questions as well. God bless you and your family, brother.
All right. God bless. Keep being strong. Stand strong. Amen. Amen. All right, Brother Gary, who we have uh, next? Question for Alfred, if you want to go for it. Yeah, let's do that. All right. This first question, has anyone ever found an error, I guess, an error in the Bible? I think it, it's uh, error, like uh, yeah. e, e, I mean, H-E-I-R, like a error. Oh. Yeah. Is that what he's referring to? I think he's referring to a mistake in the Bible. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe that's what he's saying. It looked like it's something else uh, that yeah, I'm looks, saying. I think he's trying to get at an error. Because has anyone ever found an heir in the Bible? Yeah, there's heirs as far as legacy and heirs, that type of thing. But I think he may be just, I think he's talking about an error. Yeah. I well, guess. I'm not exact, exactly sure. Uh, maybe uh, I want to make sure I uh, comment on that mm-hmm. accurately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So maybe he can uh, call well, back. Yeah. Second one. Yeah. How- he says, how can you tell if a pastor is a false teacher? Uh, yeah, but by knowing uh, the word of God, number one, uh, you you need to know the word of God. And uh, that's the thing that, uh, you know, the early church did. They were able to uh, judge false teaching uh, by the word of God. Uh, and, and, you know, in the book of Acts, uh, the Bereans, they say the Bereans even tested what Paul said. Uh, it says that the Bereans were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they tested everything that Paul uh, said to the word of God. So the, the way you can uh, tell a pastor if he's a false teacher is not only testing him, but I think you have to have uh, a basic rule of theological truths. And number one is essential doctrines. Uh, St. Augustine said, in the essentials, unity, non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. So what we need to uh, uh, understand is that uh, we can't compromise, confuse, and contradict essential doctrines. And what are they? So the way that you can tell a false teacher is that they will contradict the essential five essential doctrines. And what are they? Number one, Jesus is the only way, right? Jesus is the only way. That's number one. We can't uh, compromise, confuse, and contradict that. Then also uh, the Trinity, you know, that there is one God revealed in three eternal distinct persons called Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thirdly, the deity of Christ. The He is the theanthropos. That word means uh, Theo, God, and man. He's uh, so talking about Jesus being God and man. And Jesus said uh, in the Gospel of John over 23 times, if you be- he said, I am. And then on one occasion, he said, if you believe not that I am he, you will die in your sin. That is a divine title for the name of Jesus as God. And then fourthly, you have the vicarious atonement. And it says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sins. Um, and so, uh, and then fifthly, the bodily resurrection, you know, Paul said, if he be not raised, our faith is in vain. We're yet in our sins. So we compromise, confuse, and contradict these five, uh, essential doctrines. And I have a book on this and a PowerPoint. I go into churches as a professor, as a, as a Bible teacher. And when they invite me in, I will do. Uh, a whole training on this, if the churches are open for it. Then I have also a PowerPoint on the Trinity itself. So this is the foundations by which the church, the early church, uh, gave their life and died for. And the, the false teachers always denied one of these. If it was not uh, Jesus being the only way, uh, it was a situation of the Trinity, and then it was a situation with the deity. The early church had problems with Gnosticism. There were the Gnosticism was in the church and the Judaizers. They were the cults of the day, uh, literally uh, saying Jesus, the Gnostic said Jesus didn't come in physical form. He was only spirit. 
And that's why John says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. And then in verse 14, and the word was made flesh. The Greek word for flesh is soma, S-O-M-A. And it was made flesh and dwelt among us. And then we talk about the bodily resurrection. You know, Jehovah's Witnesses say that Jesus was raised as a spirit creature. But no, he was raised in a physical body. And that's why he said, handle me and see. Well, spirit has not flesh and, and bones as you see me have. So it's important for us to uh, recognize these essential doctrines. And then if we do, uh, we'll be able to detect uh, false teachers immediately. Now, uh, we do disagree and disagree agreeably in, in some areas of eschatology, and that's okay. You know, but when it comes to the essential doctrines, there is no compromise, confusion, and contradiction with that at all. So I want to just make that very clear. All right. Well, it's time for us to take that commercial break right now. Our phone lines are open, and we want to hear from you. Again, that number is one eight 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 F O R K F A X at one triple eight seven five three two nine. We'll be right back with more of contending for the faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the bay. If you have questions about your faith in Christ, theology, doctrine, or the cults, call us now, 888-FOR-KFAX. That's 888-367-5329. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. My name is Gary Bell, and once again, our phone lines are open, and we want to hear from you. That number is one eight 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 F O R K F A X. That's one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. So, if you have questions or comments, if you need prayer, we're here to pray with you. We want to thank all of you who have been long term listeners to Contending for the Faith, and especially those of you who have been long term prayers, prayer warriors for Contending for the Faith. We just thank you so much for your prayers. And we also thank you, those of you who have partnered with us financially to keep this program on the air. Uh, we just thank you for your generosity, your grace upon grace to keep us going. There's two ways that you can donate. You can address a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way is so much simpler just go online to contendingfaith.org, that's contendingfaith.org, and click on the donate button, and you will be a blessing for time and eternity, and it's that simple. Well, over the break, we got some clarification and clarity on Alfred's question, and the question is, has anyone ever found an heir, or as in a son or a daughter in the Bible? So, Dr. Buckner, you want to address that question? Yes, very much so. That's a very good question, uh, Alfred. I'm glad we got clarification on that. Uh, let me explain it this way. Um, there has not been any uh, biblical evidence of anything like that. Um, and let me just uh, clarify from this level. Most of the um, biological uh and ancestry records were all um, in the temple. They kept them all in the temple, the records of the different genealogies and and races of people and that sort of thing with the genealogical records. Jesus predicted in uh, Matthew 24 uh, that the temple would be destroyed in 70 AD, and it was destroyed. 40 years later after he predicted that, and it was destroyed, and the emperor Titus came in and leveled it to the ground. I mean, literally. And the people have to flee to the mountains and etc. So all of the genealogical records were all pretty much destroyed and not found. So that kind of gave a real... Uh, made a real problem with the genealogical records of people knowing who their 
biblical descendants were, et cetera, et cetera. But also, too, um, uh, with the dispersion of so many Jews and stuff like that, there was a lot of interracial marriages uh, and relationships. So that uh, uh, hampered things as well. But the, the temple being destroyed in 70 AD uh, was the uh, coffin, the nail put in the coffin right there on that. So that that's the way I would have to answer that. And there are many other biblical scholars that would uh, stand firm with my position on that as well. Okay, so um, who do we have next, Brother Gary? Uh, Sophia. Wait. Sophia, are you there? Oh, yes, I'm here. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Well, I'll try to be quick. I want to just read a few little verses. This is from Psalm 51, and I'm a little confused by it. Um, Psalm 51, and then it says, starting in verse 16, For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar. So I have two questions. Number one, I don't know what they mean by a broken spirit. And number two, it says, first, they won't take sacrifices. The Lord won't take sacrifices. You did not alert delight in burnt offering, but then down in 19 it says, and whole burnt offering, then they shall offer bulls on your altar. So it seems like they're saying the opposite. Yeah, because a lot of times the people were so much into idolatry and into um, disobedience to God that God somewhat saying the same things what he said back to uh, Samuel uh, when he's speaking to Saul, uh, obedience is better than sacrifice. And God got to the point where he saw so much hypocrisy in their sacrifices that he started saying, you know what I want uh, out of you? I want a, a, a broken heart and a contrite spirit. This kind of goes back to um, Psalms 34, uh, because uh, you have there, uh, the same thing kind of mentioned uh, in Psalms 34, and I'll get to Psalms 51 in a minute. In Psalms 34 and verse 17, uh, it talks about, and the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. That's a good word right there. And the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and such and saveth such as to be of a contrite spirit. So, and then David later on picks up this idea, <clears throat> and he talks about that same thing in Psalms 51. And so David is uh, crying out in a prayer after he had committed adultery, and he had a contrite spirit, which means he feel, felt guilty and remorse over his wrongdoing and seeking repentance and a replacement for the sin. Uh, and so when we look into Hebrew on the word uh, broken spirit and contrite, uh, broken heart and contrite spirit, I mean, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's alluding to the fact that uh, a person dependence upon God is somebody's heart that's seeking after God after they have wrong done something and they have a contrite spirit to and which refers to connecting with god's spirit and doing the will of god the will of the father <clears throat> seeking a, a, a broken heart and a contrite spirit is one seeking total dependence upon god one who literally is seeking uh, a godly heart after God and is in a spirit of repentance and for reconciliation. So that's what a contrite uh, spirit is and a broken heart is somebody who is really seeking after God, seeking to be in submission to God 
and with their heart and their spirit and just a total dependence like they've never had before. And that's what David is crying out for, a total dependence, total spirit of repentance, a total submission, a total spirit of humility, and a broken and contrite heart, which is to do the will of God. All of that together is uh, put together with that in the uh, expressions that I just said about the broken heart and contrite spirit. So hopefully that uh, helps to give you some deeper insight. Oh, no, that was fabulous. Now I understand what it means, and that's what we all need to have, apparently. So that's what we should strive for. And thank you so much, and God bless you both. Oh, thank you, too. And we always appreciate your call, and we also appreciate your questions as well. Thank you so much, and God bless you. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. All right. Well, we have uh, last but certainly not least, Brother Rick is waiting. Brother Rick, how are you doing? I am blessed. How about yourself? We are blessed and highly favored and appreciate always your call and your question. What's on your heart tonight? Okay, that's a very interesting question. Paul says to Timothy, drink not just water, but a little bit of wine. Why does he say that to Timothy? Right. Well, that's a good question. Uh, it talks about uh, a little bit of wine. Uh, I believe this is in First Timothy uh, chapter 5 uh, and verse 23. First Timothy 5 and 23 says, Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thy often infirmities. So what's going on here in the context is this. Um, that um, uh, Timothy had a stomach problem, and he was probably also leaning more to abstinence and more of a spirit of um, vegetarian, being a vegetarian. And so his spirit was uh, drinking water. And uh, but Paul, what Paul is uh, letting him know, and then when you've done some study in that day that water in the ancient world was often polluted and it carried many diseases like you go into certain foreign countries and apostle paul urges timothy not to risk illness not even for the sake of uh, commitment to abstinence but uh from wine apparently timothy avoided wine uh to place himself in harm's way and so paul is saying a little uh, wine, then notice that he said a little, because a lot of people try to use this verse to get drunk on, but uh, that, that's not what he's saying. The drunkenness is a sin. But he says, drink no longer water, <clears throat> but use a little wine for stomach's sake. So what they did in biblical days um, is that what because the water was polluted a lot and it made people sick, that Paul is the apostle Paul is telling Timothy, you know what? Uh, put wine and mix it with the water, and what the wine will do is uh, take the, the a lot of the poison out of the water, and and it would help him with his stomach. So the people that was just drinking the water was getting sick, and Paul is saying, no, dice it and mix it with some wine, because the wine has ways of purification versus uh, pollution. So he was em uh, uh, emphasizing to him, you need purification rather than pollution. Because if you just drink the water, that's going to be pollution. So drink a little bit of wine in there with the water, mix it together, and then you'll get purification. That's what he's basically saying. So hopefully that helps to give you a little more insight on that particular verse of Scripture. And back in those days, uh, the wine was not considered a very strong uh, drink, where people, where people could get Absolutely. drunk on it very easily. Absolutely. So, and that because even the wine was very really useful. Yeah, like even at the wedding feast of Canaan, that uh, Jesus uh, gave the best wine, 
And that was better and superior than all the other wine that they had made because Jesus made it, you know. Uh, so it was very unique in the sense that he made that. Uh, yeah, so glad that uh, you asked a good question and hopefully you got some insight on it. Uh, do you have any prayer requests before we end the show that we can pray for you on? Yeah, I just needed a hedge of protection. Uh, I had my computer hacked, and we were able to fix it. We've got left. So, Lord, we just pray for Brother Rick's situation. We pray that you protect him from any his computer being hacked and anything else going on in his life. Bless him in Jesus' name. But we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast. We'd like to thank uh, Colin, our engineer, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. Please keep us in your prayers. Until next time, when we come once again to give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.